Psalm 133, would you stand with me tonight as we read God's word together? Amen. We could all read it audibly if we could. Psalm 133, if everybody's there, we'll read verse 1 through to 3. Praise the Lord. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the Jew of Hermon, and as the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for that same anointing, Lord, to come upon us tonight afresh. Lord, a fresh anointing upon your people, a fresh anointing upon your word, a fresh anointing that destroys every yoke. Lord, would you move tonight, Lord, on your body. Lord, you are that head. Would you move tonight, Lord, touching every life in this room, touching every life afresh, Lord, healing every sickness, delivering the oppressed, Lord, bringing peace to troubled minds tonight. Lord, we pray for the same anointing, Lord, to flow in this place tonight. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats uh, together tonight. You know, this psalm I often quoted, preached on, uh, is a wonderful psalm. It really is. But I believe it just is a perfect picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at him through the eyes of faith, through the scriptures, you will see the Lord here as our high priest, the Spirit of God upon him, flowing from the top of his head right down to the skirts. And that was really the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. When we look at the Gospels and we see the ministry of Christ under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, we are simply looking here at this wonderful ministry of Christ. If you just follow some verses with me tonight, and some are very familiar, but I just want to show it to you afresh. In John chapter 3 and verse 34, we know that at the beginning of his ministry, and the Holy Ghost came upon him as a dove, and he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness, was tempted of the devil, came back in the power of the Holy Ghost, and began that wonderful earthly ministry with signs and wonders and miracles. In John 3 and 34, the Bible says, Therefore he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him that is unto Christ, that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, received the unlimited measure of the Spirit of God to flow through that, that body that was given to him, that earthly body, fully God, fully man. Some things it's very hard for us to grasp in our natural mind, but here we see a perfect picture of Psalm 133, with the Lord Jesus Christ with the Spirit, the unlimited measure of the Spirit of God upon his, his human body and in that ministry of the Holy Spirit. And over in Acts chapter 10, if you turn over, just quite a number of verses that we'll be referring to tonight, just in, again, just to, to build on this message. Uh, Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 says these words, Acts 10 and 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power and went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are hearing some great needs tonight that are being presented. I believe it's only the tip 
of an iceberg, really. When we see the world that we're living in, we see the, the town, we see the news, we see that the, 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 as man sinks deeper and deeper and under the powers of darkness, held, bound, captive. But thank God there's a wonderful answer tonight and his name's Jesus. The same Jesus with the same anointing, the power of God to set men and women free, to set young people free. And you know, there's such a deception in this hour as the enemy is unleashing everything against a young generation that are coming up, that are exposed. That word exposed is important to so much wickedness and evil in this day, the deception, how the enemy is working to entice the young people into those realms of darkness, to bring them into bondage, to bring them into the depths of despair, to kill, to steal and destroy. But Jesus Christ has come that you might have life and might have it to the full more abundantly. It's abundant life in Jesus Christ. There's a deception, of course. That's what the enemy is. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a murderer. But thank God tonight that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's life for a look at the crucified one tonight. You know, some of my favorite verses found in Mark chapter 6. Remember this picture of the high priest, the anointing upon his head, running down his beard, right down to the skirts. But Mark chapter 6 and verse 54. Mark chapter 6 and verse 54 says these words. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him and ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they led the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, the border of his garment. And as many as touched him, they were made whole. Where does that anointing run? It went down to the skirts of his garment. You know, when they touched the hem of his garment, the virtue and the anointing and that river of life flowed from Jesus Christ and touched bodies, made them whole, set them free, gloriously touched every life. Thank God he hasn't changed tonight, brothers and sisters. And we look at that body that he was given born of a virgin, grew up as a man without sin, the Holy Ghost coming upon him for that earthly ministry. We read the Gospels. We see the wonderful works that he did because that anointing was upon him. And we know that his whole purpose of this life was to come in. And his whole purpose was that cross. That he set his face as a flint to Calvary. That he went all the way to Calvary there to shed his own precious blood on that cent center cross 2,000 years ago. And praise God, he not only died and was buried, but on the third day he rose again, triumphant over the devil, over sin, over the grave. Tonight we serve a glorious Savior. We, he is the resurrection and the life. And praise the Lord, he ascended. He ascended the wonderful truth of the ascension that he went up. Praise God, he went up. And one day, very soon, he's coming back. He's coming back again soon. But one of his body, 
What of that body? We know as he ascended, the ascension's important. As Christ entered into the, the realms of glory, as the king of glory, the great victor over all the powers of darkness. And the Bible tells us that he sat down on the right hand of the Father in high, highly exalted, given a name that's above every name, wonderful Savior, King of kings, Lord of lords. He's triumphed. The work is finished. Praise the Lord tonight that he is the great victor and his name is Jesus. And what of his body? We know that the Bible tells us that he is our living head. He is the head and we are the body. So the spiritual body of Christ is still alive and well today. Christ being the head as the ascended one and we being that body. Now in 1 Corinthians, if you turn over, I'll show you here then again. Some verses are very familiar to us, but I want to again go over them to lay out the ground, as it were. 1 Corinthians 12 and 12 speaks of this body. And that's what I want us to look at over these coming weeks again afresh. 1 Corinthians 12 and 12 says these words, For as the body is one, have many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now we're looking at this body. We're looking again just at this Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. These are precious truths tonight and precious verses. That simply means tonight everyone in this room that's born of the Spirit of God, you've been born and baptized into the body of Christ. There is one body. There is one Spirit that we're all drinking of tonight. And although that body has many members, but we are one. And thank God tonight for this precious truth. That same Jesus, that same anointing, that same Spirit, the same body, spiritual now, of which we are a part of tonight. Praise the Lord. You know, this body in the natural our natural body has been uniquely designed and created by God himself. That body that you are, you've walked into this room with tonight is so unique. God has created every human body and it is an amazing creation and design that the Lord has designed and, 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 and brought into being through his great creation. But you know that through the fall, man, sin, sickness, death entered that human race. And so we all face the prospects at times of perhaps uh, having sickness or ailments or temperatures or whatever else that comes along our way. And so we know that we get sick sometimes because we'll either get a temperature or we'll feel unwell or we're, we'll get some type of sweat or cough or sore throat or whatever else happens. We are prone. Our bodies are prone to the infections that are in this world. And suppose we hear a lot about that today. You know that when that body is infected in any way, by any shape or any form, if you get some type of cold or, or a temperature or some type of infection in your body, what happens is that that body then cannot function to the full capacity that's what it's been purposed to do. You understand that happens to us all, everyone in this room at different times, even if it's just a cold, 
but it sort of runs us down a wee bit and we're just not in full capacity. We're just not in full form. We're not able to run the marathon or do whatever we do, but we just feel the effects of some type of, of, of infection in that body. I want to talk, just bringing that context to you tonight, just over the last few weeks, you know, we've been praying for many great needs uh, that have been presented to us. And we know tonight, we've just read the scriptures very clearly. We know that our Savior is a wonderful healer. He is a wonderful healer. He's a wonderful Savior. You know, the Bible tells us that he forgiveth all, all our iniquities and he healeth all our diseases. I believe that is a wonderful picture of Calvary. And he is a wonderful Savior and he is also a healer. We're looking at this body tonight as Christ being the head and looking at these these things that can happen in the natural that bring in in some way an infection that brings a hindrance to that body operating to its full capacity. But just over these past few weeks, I just want to share on a personal basis as I've been praying, seeking the Lord and praying for all those great needs and believing the Lord for God's going to touch lives and raise them up miraculously. We thank God for what the doctors have done and are doing. But I know tonight there is a wonderful healer and he is able tonight. And I've been encouraged even in the place of prayer for these dear ones. But as I was praying, the Lord just came very gently into that time of prayer and just began to press upon an impression, if you like, just upon my own heart for the prayer for the body of Christ. He began to pray just very gently, and it was a strange moment in the sense of the sense of his presence, but then that impression became stronger and stronger to begin to pray for the body of Christ. That the body of Christ needs prayer. Now, when I say that, I want to, to, to tell you that that's not just our own local assembly. The body of Christ being many members, which is one. That's the body of Christ worldwide, universal, here locally, here in this town, here in this nation, here in this island. That there was a prayer to be made and it was pressed heavy just to begin to pray because I felt as the Lord was pressing that upon me because there is a sickness that has come. That there's a sickness in the body. And that we need to pray for the body, for the healing streams of God to flow in the body of Christ. That the body would be restored, that the body would be revived, that its individual members would be encouraged through the nourishment of the Holy Spirit to come into a new place of intimacy with Christ as individuals. But then, as every local assembly would meet together, as each individual has come into a revived place with the Lord, of intimacy with Him, that as they all come together in their local assemblies, there would be a reviving amongst the body of Christ, and the body would function to its full capacity. And if that happened, brothers and sisters... If that actually happened, if every part was revived and in the right place with the Lord, I tell you, friends, tonight, the towns that we are in, the places where we meet, would be affected by a body that's revived and restored and healed and moving in the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. There would be no limits to what God would do. He would do it, but just as he walked 
those streets and those cities, the same anointing that came upon the head, which is Christ. He's the head. But we as the body of Christ, as that anointing, we begin to flow through every member of that body. Then as we go about our daily business, the reality of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the same Spirit of God, the same Jesus, the same anointing would touch these lives that we're hearing about tonight and would set the prisoner free. But there was a sickness as I prayed. There was a sense, not, not I please hear what I feel tonight. It, it isn't in any sense of a judgmental way against anybody or any sense of condemnation against any other, any other people. It was a sense of to pray effectively as a people. God was pressed to pray for the body of Christ. To pray for the believers, to pray for the ministers of the gospel, to pray that God would come afresh, that, that every member would get into a new place with God, that it wouldn't just be going through the motions, if you like, but there would be an intimacy, that there would be a refreshing individually. But then as we come together, it wouldn't just be the form, but it would be the living reality of the power of the Holy Ghost. And so we began to pray in that time of waiting on the Lord and praying, and he began to impress some things, some things that were impressed into this heart. Because once I began to see and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to pray. So I began to pray and say, Lord, he, he, I just felt the Lord speaking very clearly, talking about, you know, what, what, what my part would be in that. Because I'm praying for it. And so then the next question is, well, Lord, is there anything that you'd want me to do? And the next minute the Lord says, yes. And so, well, Lord, I'll do anything. And then he tells me what I'm supposed to do. And what you think naturally he's going to say isn't often what you actually want to do. It's what he wants you to do. We'll come to that in a moment. Let me go through some things tonight if I could. As Christ is the head. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. Let's look at a fully functioning body operating under the power of the Holy Ghost as he intended it to be, according to the word of God. Colossians 1 and 18. Colossians 1 and 18 says these words. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence this is so important to the healing of the body the first thing is he is the head and above everything else he must have the preeminence would you say amen if you believe that tonight we're here the whole purpose of all of this is that christ would have the preeminence so first of all we see him as the head secondly then if you turn over to ephesians chapter 1 and verse 21, we read here two things about the church of Jesus Christ, him being the head. But here it is in Ephesians 1 and 22, Ephesians 1, 22, the Bible says, him being the head, he has put all things under his feet. Give him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all. There's two things here. First of all, there's an authority when the church is functioning as he's purposed it to function. There's an authority, a spiritual authority in that body. Christ 
It says here, has put everything under his feet and give him to be the head over all things to the church, and he filleth it all in all. In other words, when the body's fully functioning in the power of the Holy Ghost, without any ailments or infections within it, that there's an authority that the church has in that nation, in that town, then there's the filling of God in that body, filling all in all. The fullness of God in that body the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus, and the authority. You know, the church of Jesus Christ once had an authority in this nation. It had an authority in the United Kingdom. It had an authority. It was something that was respected and revered even by the governments of this land. But today there's a sickness, and it's not because of the the government or the nation. It's because, friends, there has been an apostasy in the church. And so we need to see here that what God's purpose is, is for that church to have an authority and for him to fill it all in all. The church also is the bedrock of any society. Now all the intellectuals, all the liberals, all the modernists, everything that's sweeping in, even some that you'd hear maybe over the past week of ministers with certain ideas about allowing same-sex marriage in the church and organizing gay parades and everything. And I'm not here, please, I'm not here to knock Uh, homosexuals or anything else but friends the church of Jesus Christ is the bedrock of any society and when that apostasy sweeps through and that infection begins to spread in the body of Christ what we move from is this 1 Timothy 3 and 15 look at what that house of God is 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15 this is what Paul says to Timothy 1 Timothy 3 15 he says, but if I tarry long, that thou may knowest how, to, how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. What is the house of God? Which is the church of the living God. What is it then? What does he say it is? Paul says it's the pillar and it's the ground of truth. That's the church. That's what the church is. Many people have many ideas and, and it's slandered and maligned and from all quarters at the minute. But actually, the church of the living God is the pillar and it's the ground of truth. It's the bedrock of this society. And many don't realize it, but it still is. It's unique in its function. In Psalm chapter 68 and verse 6, the church is not a building, as you know fully well. It is not a building. It is not just a place where someone goes. But in Psalm 68 and verse 6, the Bible tells us this is what the church is. God sets the solitary in what? Families. The church is a family. When you're born of the Spirit of God, when you're baptized into the body of Christ, you you straight away, you straight away have spiritual brothers and sisters all across this world from every tribe and every tongue and every color. It doesn't matter, but instantly you become part of the family of God. It's a family. It is a family. It's a place where the lost and the lonely and the broken can come and find love and encouragement and embrace by a people that love God, love one another, and they experience the love of God. It is a place for the lonely. There's a lot of lonely people, isn't there? There's a lot of broken people. 
as we're hearing tonight. The mark of that church or the mark of that family is found in John 13. If you follow this through with me tonight, a fully functioning well body. John 13 and verse 34, Jesus said these words. John 13 and 34, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I, this is how we to love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, my followers, if ye have love one for another. What's that love? The same love in which he loved us is to be the mark of that body. Friends, this is what the church is when it functions fully as the body of Christ. This is a well body. This is what it looks like. There is a mark that sets it apart. There's something different about this to every other religious society and every other, every other cult that there is across this land and every other organization. You know why they're sitting in a bar tonight drinking with all their friends? They're trying to find something to be a part of. But that's the devil's counterfeit. There's something of the reality tonight when you come into the presence of God that you're drinking from the same spiritual fountain. That's the living waters. And this is the family of God. This is the house of God. And there's the love of God even amongst us. The function of that church then is found in Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Ephesians 4 15. We see the function, how it functions as a body. Ephesians 4 and 15 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that, now this is really important if you listen, which every joint supplies according to the effectual working and the measure of Every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Not only are the individual joints to supply, but it's to cause the whole body to begin to grow. God just doesn't want us to come to a place and stop, but he wants it actually to grow and to mature. How does it happen? Every joint, that's every believer in this room, and it has been so encouraging Again, I say on the Wednesday nights, hearing those participating, stepping out in faith, even for the first time, to pray, to encourage one another. Friends, that's crucial in order for the body to grow, to be encouraged and to be strengthened. Every part supplies. That means every believer in this room has a part to play in the body for it to become mature and for it to grow and to edify itself in love. This is a fully functioning body. So you can see maybe perhaps where we're going that there is, not to be too heavy on it, but we can see that there is some infections that have come into the body that causes it not to fully function as he wants it to function. The supply of the church, look at Colossians, that's the function, but the supply to the church in Colossians 2 and 19 says these words, and I love this verse. It's such a precious verse. But it says, And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands 
having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Now, this is such a precious verse. If you just look at that verse for a moment, and here we have the head, and we have all the body by the joints and the bands. That covers every person that's saved in this room, every joint having nourishment ministered. Now, that means that here's something so personal to you. This is from the head. Now, that is Christ, the head. What he wants to do to every single part of the body of Christ, individually, intimacy, on a personal level, is to nourish you, is to pour in and minister into your life, into your heart, into your individual as a person. And then when you have that nourishment from him, when you come together with the body, that then all the joints receiving the nourishment from the head, then begin to minister into one another. And the body is strengthened. It increases. It begins to flow in the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. And it begins to grow and mature in God. And then the fullness of what he desired it to be, it begins to function and purpose as he intended it. And the same anointing that run down the head of Aaron, the head of Christ, right down to the skirts, onto the beard and right down to the skirts, is the same anointing that begins to flow out from the church of Jesus Christ into the community. And this is our desire to see the reality of that body functioning as he purposed it and desires it to function. Would you say amen if you're here with me tonight just to believe God for this, to pray into this? So here we see that nourishment. Now here's the question that I want to ask you. Not just that you're hearing something tonight, but then that there's a challenge into your heart, into your life as a, as a vital part of the, and a member of the body of Christ. With that nourishment that you have received from Him being our head, then what is it that you bring into that body in order for that body to function? To function as God is. What is it that you bring in here? What is it that you bring when we meet together as the body of Christ? Every part furnished by the head. Ministered into by the Holy Spirit. Jesus supplying into every member and every individual. And now he's saying you bring that in. What is it that you bring into that body? It comes from your personal relationship with Jesus it comes from your intimacy with him. It comes from your time that you spend with him. It's, I'm not interested in how long it is. I'm not interested in the length of time. Maybe some might go long. Maybe some might be shorter. But God knows where we all are in a spiritual sense, whether we're younger in the faith or more mature in the faith, where we are. But what I'm saying is there has to be something. There has to be some time as a believer that we're spending with Jesus and we're receiving from the head. He's ministering into our hearts. And then we come with that to minister into others. And I'm asking you tonight, friend, not to be condemned. But what do we bring into that body? Somebody needs to hear. Somebody needs your prayer. Somebody needs your encouragement. Somebody needs you to go over to them and put a, an arm around them and say, How are you doing? Somebody needs a phone call. Somebody needs to say, Can I meet with you? Friends, what is it that we bring into that body to cause it to be matured, to cause it to grow, to cause it to function, to cause it to operate in the fullness of what he desired it to be? You know, as I'm waiting on the Lord in that time, and I say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? 
What is it you want me to do, Lord? And the Lord speaks very clearly. This is what I want you to do. I want you to encourage this brother. I want you to encourage this. And the list just started to come and go. And I said, well, Lord, I'll do that. Some people I haven't talked to in years upon years. And the Lord said, would you phone that brother to say that you're thinking about encouraging? I said, Lord, I'll do that. And so when I began, I couldn't preach this message until I'd done what the Lord had told me to do. And I lifted the phone. The man that I haven't spoke to in a long time, I just said, I want to tell you that I'm praying for you genuinely. I want to encourage you in the faith. I want to encourage you in your men. And friends, there were some precious times on the phone and so forth, just talking to the individuals and saying, God, we're in the last days. We need to focus our attention. I want to pour something of what God has put into me, into you. And I want to hear what God's put into you. That Would you pour that into me? And so God began to, what do we give to each other? What do we bring into the body? I'll tell you something in the midst of all of that. You know, even the, there's times just how God works and it is amazing. You know, I lifted the phone to a brother I haven't spoke to in decades perhaps. And I lifted the phone and I phoned him up and I said, Brother, I just wanted to phone you, tell you, I was thinking about you. Oh, this is amazing. And I was like, it is and he says, it's so wonderful to hear from you. I'm so encouraged. He says, you know, I, I pray for you nearly every other day. And I'm so blessed that you have phoned. I'm overcome. This is amazing. It's just a wonderful thing. You're such a man of God. And I started to get nervous. And he says, you're just an amazing guy. And I was going, and he was just went through the list. And he says, and tell me, how's Zelda doing? <laughs> and I went, um... <laughs> If you don't know, that's my brother's wife. So I said, so I said, uh, uh, and you know, it's one of those guys. He's a lovely guy, but when he's on a roll, he's on a roll. Like it's not. So I sort of let it go on a wee while longer, and then it just went all over it all again. And how great you are, and how wonderful, and Zelda, and everything. I said, that's right, that's right. I just wanted to say, by the way, this is Tim, <laughs> and, he, and he says, well. Tim, right? I says, well, I hope you're going to say the same things about me. And he says, well, look, this is like a double portion. I went, okay. And I says, well, I'm glad that's what you do feel about my brother. And then we began to talk, we began to pray, and we began to share. You know, friends, you know, when at all, it's not so much what people really think about us. I know a lot of words can be said, but really what's important, what's our heart in all of this? Really, what is our heart in all of this? What does it matter? Really, in the end, what does it really matter what men may think or not think? We can so easily get it wrong about so many. We all can easily do that. But are we willing to do what he wants us to do? Are we willing to go... Are we willing to honestly speak? Are we willing to go the extra mile? You know, are we willing to go across a pew? Are we willing to go from the front to the back or the back to the front? Are we willing just to go? Because what happens is, and what is happening today is, the division, the schisms, the breakdown... And the world are looking on and saying, well, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Why? Because the body has become sick. It's become sick and stale. Jesus said in John 15 and 5, 
He says, I am the vine. He says, I am the vine. He said, these words, ye are the branches. He said, if he abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth. What does he do? He brings forth. What's this? This is this nourishment. This is this ministry. This is this intimacy. He brings forth much fruit. There's the fruit of the Holy Ghost. It's more important than the gifts. And it's more important than the talents. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the character of Jesus. That's far more important. The church of this day has put more emphasis on gifts and talents. But you know, Jesus said, This is my well-beloved Son in whom I am well-pleased. He says in verse 7, If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will. Look what happens. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Do you see the importance of being nourished from the head? Abiding. Seven times over these next few verses, these ten verses, I believe, the word abide or abideth, you'll see it means to remain at the source, instead at the source. Israel often, our example, of course, I don't need to turn to it, but in Jeremiah 17, verse 12, it says these words, a glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee will be ashamed. And they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord. What is he? He's the fountain of living waters. Are we drinking from the fountain? And so the prophet says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. We need to be at the source. We need to be at the fountain. We need to be drinking in that place with the Lord, that nourishment that comes, because we need nourished. And many people need nourished, nourished from him. And then with that nourishment, we come together, and then we have something to give. Sadly today, friends, sadly today, and it is a sad thing, today there's been so much infection that's come into the body. It's not nourishment, it's not ministry, it's so many other things. James, James talks about it very clearly in James chapter 3. He talks about the malice and the lying and the schisms and the confusion and the envy and the strife and the haughty looks and the jealousy and the, the talking and a proud look and wrong hearts and the tongue that no man can tame. It's, like a, it's, it's the devil's work that just spreads. You know, look at those fires in California. Have you seen them? Just spreading through, no control. That's what the tongue's like. The church, the body, I say this, we're part of all of that. We are the body of Christ members. One, we're not sitting here or standing here. I'm certainly not saying, hey, we're okay. We have all of this. And what I'm saying is somebody, somebody in the body has brought that into the body. Somebody has brought that infection into the body and that spreads into the body. What happens then? Just in the natural way, we become sick. We're infected and the body can't function. You say, well, it's only me. I can do this. It's okay. I'm above that. And the Lord said, hold on a second. Can, can you bless me? Can, can the blessing of the Lord, can I stand and praise the Lord on a Sunday and lift up my hands? And out of the same mouth comes bitterness. It's not to be. It's not to be that way. What has it made? It's made the body, the body of Christ sick. 
And yet there's a fountain. There's a fountain that we can come to. And so he speaks here of a purging. In John chapter 15, he says, speaks of a purging of the unfruitful branch. In John 15 and 2, he says, Every branch of me that birth, not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that birth, fruit, he purges that branch that it may bring forth. What does he want to do? He wants to bring forth more fruit. The abundance of fruit in our lives, he'll purge us. You know, it's an old word that was often used in the church, not so much used now, the purging of the vessel. But I tell you, friends, I, I believe that the body does need purged. I'm talking about in a wider sense. All the old, the flesh, the stuff, the things that come in that cause the body to be struggling along. He hasn't intended it to be that. And with a responsibility, every one of us, every member, every part, what part am I going to play? What part are you going to, what part are you going to play? You're going to carry on and with, with the wrong spirit? You're going to carry on perhaps with an unforgiving heart? Are you going to carry on? And those things with a haughty look, you're going to carry on with maligning a, a brother or a sister. Not when you come to church because everyone's praising the Lord, but see the Lord saying, but how can you praise me and bless me with your mouth on a Sunday, but yet you're not, you're not like that afterwards. And sadly, this has become common practice in the body of Christ in a broader sense, in a broader sense. But this is what the Bible says in Leviticus 17 and 11 says these words the life of the flesh is in the blood let me tell you something wonderful about this body we have an antidote we have a cure we have a miracle working power and it's called the blood of jesus it means that we can as the body of christ we can say lord forgive us for what we have made it but lord would you cleanse us there's a new beginning in God. The slate can be cleansed. It can be washed. We can be revived. We can be restored. We can rise up in the arms of faith with the purpose for the body of Christ that this body would be what he wants it to be. And friends, when it is, I believe it impacts the world around it. The light does shine. Proverbs 14 and 30 says, A sound heart, a sound heart is the life of the flesh. Here we see the life of the flesh is in the blood. And now we read in Proverbs, a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy, the rottenness of the bones. Envy rots the bones. Brings it to be crippled, not able to walk or function the way he wants it to be. Oh God, Lord, our prayer surely is tonight. Lord, Get us all into a new place with you. Get us to sort out the little foxes. They'll ruin the vine. Lord, that may not be the case. I'm just putting what's on my heart. Let's get this thing right. Let's get the heart sound. Let's get to the fountain. Let's draw from the living waters. But then let's bring it all into the house and let us nourish one another with the same nourishment that we have. I need to hear from you. I need to hear what God's doing in your life. I need to hear the fresh revelation. I need to hear of the prayers that you're praying, of the joy of what God's speaking to you, of the revelation that God's bringing to you. What God is, what's God speaking into your heart? What did he say through his word to your life today? 
Were you praying for a brother? Were you lifting someone up in the house of God? Were you praying for the sick? Were you praying for someone perhaps has offended you? And you say, Lord, give me the heart for that person. A sound heart? Give me a sound heart. That's the life. This is the reality of what it is to be a follower and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, the fruit is so much more important than the talent and the gift. Because when there's the fruit, then there's the anointing. And how we need that anointing. God wants to give us that fresh anointing. We don't need to beg for it. He just said, walk in my way. Drink from my fountain. Live that humble life. And I'll pour in through that life into others. And what God will do, friends, what God will do as he walked those streets of Galilee, as he walked those villages in town, the same anointing flows from the head The beard never touches the flesh right down to the bottom of that hem and that anointing flows. How we need the anointing in the body of Christ today. May God help us all. Let's pray together.